The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include newly crowned misquote.ie women's basketball Super League champions, the address UCC Glenmire's Anya McKenna and head coach Mark Scannell tell me about their title winning season. Cork senior camogie manager Matthew Toomey looks ahead to a crunch encounter with Kilkenny and we'll also hear from the Cork Intermediate and minor managers who have equally important games this weekend. CEO of Kiri's Motor Group, Brendan Kiri, joins me to talk about his company's massive three-year sponsorship deal with Cork Camogie. Munster Women Rugby's Wendy Keenan is back for a weekly review, including details of a very special occasion for former Munster Rugby players. AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach Mike Curran returns to offer his expert analysis of a busy row nine for our Irish Aussie rules players. Cork LGFA seniors Maura Callan, Martin O'Brien and manager Shane Ronane give me their reaction to an important Lidl National League win over Waterford. And finally, we'll also hear from MTU captain Ashling Ford ahead of the Cork College's Minehan Cup final against Letterkenny IT. That's all to come on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. The address UCC Glenmire were crowned misquote.ie Women's Basketball Super League champions this past weekend. I caught up with the address UCC Glenmire's Ani McKenna and head coach Mark Scannell to reflect on a hugely positive campaign and to hear about an important club event coming up this weekend. We are joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench now by the address UCC Glenmire's Ani McKenna who is the tw- a member of the 2022 misquote.ie Women's Super League champions. Congratulations Anya. Thanks very much sir. That has a very nice ring to it, even though it's a bit of a mouthful to say it. But I suppose, look, you're Super League champions and that's the big thing. And what a way to do it, Anya, to go up to DCU Mercy and to beat them 80 points to 54. I would put it to you that that's the mark of proper champions. Yeah, we were really focused um, going into this weekend. I suppose we played DCU twice already this year in the cup final, obviously, and then in um, a league match before Christmas. And they were two really tough games. Um, I don't think we did ourselves justice really in those games. So, we we really were focused going into this weekend um, and we put on a really good performance, in particular a really good defensive performance, which which is what we, we kind of had focused in on all week in training. Um, and like it paid off in the end. We, we won out worthy winners in the end, but we were delighted because I suppose we just wanted to, to go out in the high, I suppose, in, in the, and make sure when, when we could uh, get the league title that we, we got it then. One of the things your coach Mark Scannell has spoken about to me is the the depth of the squad, the quality of the squad, and the improvement of what would be termed as fringe players. Players don't get the the most minutes, but they make the most of the minutes when they come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that was the main difference between us and other teams um, this season. Just the depth in our squad, um, and like any any player that's playing, like you know, six, seven, eight person off the bench, everybody can can play in those spots just as well as starters so I think that made a massive difference this year and like in particular I and I know I mentioned um, Mia Furlong before but she's been huge for us this year you know like even against DCU this weekend she was marking one of their best players the American um, and she's been doing that all all year you know and, and she, she's really after stepping up she was playing with the Irish team as well during the summer so it's really good to see you know a girl and a girl from Glamire as well um, just playing so so well this year, um, but she's really really been huge for us. The other thing I've noticed on you uh, since we started following you here on the Big Red Bench, not just yourselves but all the the Cork teams involved in the uh, misquoted women's Super League, great camaraderie 
in your squad, a very tight-knit group, and that's not just a cliche. It does appear that way. I saw, uh, I think, I'm not quite sure where I saw it, but I saw an Instagram post of a group of you being caught at a McDonald's or something like that just recently. I presume <laughs> that was afterwards and not beforehand, but it does, it, you don't become champions unless you've got a tight-knit group, no matter what sport you play. Yeah, yeah, have. no, we get on, we get on really, really well off the court as well, and I think that's important, you know, um, I suppose we all know each other each other really well. We've probably all played on an Irish squad together, and like just just for our Americans to come in, Carrie and and Tierney, they've been huge for us, and they've fitted so well into our team. I think a big thing with our team is we we really are a team. You know, there's nobody wants to stand out. Like we probably have the best player in the country, um, in Claire Melia, but you know she she's such a team player, which which is why she's probably the best player there is because. You know, she she always thinks team first, and it's never about herself. Um, I think she's she's won what is it three or four Player of the Month this year, but that doesn't face her at all, and she's not out to win those things. You know, she really is just an out and out team player, um, and everybody just gets on really really well, and and I think that makes such a massive difference. Um, but but it's just look, we've been very lucky, as I said, the two girls that came in, they fitted right into our team. You know, that doesn't always happen. I suppose at the start of the season. We had two two different Americans, you know, and and the two girls came in then, and we were just lucky in the end. Um, but they they have slotted right in, and and everybody gets on, so it really does make a difference um to us on the court. That's brilliant, and uh, well avoid you avoided that McDonald's remark very well as well, very well cited. So proper <laughs> proper experience player there. Um, just finally, I mean, what this means uh, for the address UCC Glanmire, obviously for the local area, you're like it's fantastic, it's a lovely boost. There's a, a lovely event coming up this weekend where you're raising funds for the Ukrainian appeal, which is fantastic as well. It's a lovely positive end to the season, and something I would imagine on you to look at to look back on very quickly and then build on again for next year or for next season. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so great for all the under eight teams in the club. You know, there's so many teams there. There's so many coaches there that give their free time um, coaching. Um, so hopefully they'll all be there Sunday when we get the, the league trophy. Um, you know, we've some fantastic role models on our team. Um, so it's, it's great for all the young girls to, to be there on Sunday to see the game and then to see us getting the trophy. Um, and I suppose big credit to Mark, Mark Scannell as well. You know, he's put an awful lot of organisation into that. You know, this week, um, I know there's some previous players who played with Clamire and who won Cups and Leagues with Clamire he's invited them um, to the game on Sunday so it's going to be great to see them but um, yeah look Mark has put in an awful an awful lot of effort this year as has Ronan O'Sullivan the assistant coach and Ken our strength and conditioning um, coach as well so look huge credit goes to them I know um, like like I know we have to get the job done on the court but all of that has to has to come from the coaching side of things and our management as well so um, they really, really have made such a huge difference to us this year as well. So I just want to especially mention them because you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be the team we are without the management that we have. Um, and Mark in particular, um, you know he's so so experienced and it's so so great now that he's getting everybody together this weekend when we get the the league trophy. Indeed. So listen, Anya McKenna, just we say once more again here from the Big Red Bench, we've enjoyed just speaking to you all season. We've enjoyed following your progress and you end the season as the 2022 Miss Quote the Women's Super League and Cup Champions. Congratulations and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, sir. Thank you. The 2022 Misquote.ie Women's Super League Champions are the Address UCC Glanmire following their 80-54 to 54 win over DCU Mercy last weekend and we are delighted here on the Big Red Bench to be joined by the head coach Mark Scannell. Mark, hearty congratulations. Thanks very much, Jerry. Yeah, it, was, um, it was nice to get it done this weekend, you know. Um, 
tough test to win above in DCU, but the guys were very tuned in and very focused. And uh, thanks be to God, now we got it over the line. Yeah, because going into the weekend, you obviously had two league games left to do this. But um, as you said, just the professionalism of your setup and your squad, um, going up to DCU Mercy and beating them by 26 points, I mean, that is a, f- a fantastic performance against a really good quality opponent. Yeah, it was. Um, as I said, no, it was like we probably prepared for that game as well as we are for any game. You know, the last few weeks we've been tipping along nicely. You know, we had two very tough games the week before, Lippy Celtics on the Saturday night and then for the matches on the Sunday. And um, I just think they were good games for us. You know, they got us very sharp, very focused. And, um, you know, there was a very good camaraderie in the squad. I think when you've, you know, two games in a row like that, it really, it really um, galvanizes the, the, the group, you know. And then uh, the week of, of DCU, you know, we, we felt, even though we won the cup final, we didn't think we played as well as we could have, you know. And we were very, we were very ready um, to try and put in a real performance. And I think from the, from the get-go, we, you know, we went up 26-10 in the first quarter, and that really set up the set up the win for us. Um, your two American players uh, stood out as well on the scoring charts. Yeah, they've been phenomenal for the last, I suppose, since Christmas. Really, you know, since um, they they really come in. Oh, they're a very good duo. Uh, they complement each other each other very well, and they really fit into the team. Um, outside of the basketball, they're just brilliant people, and they, you know, they they just the group. And and them in it um, has has become even even a better a better group you know um, they 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 carry is very good on the ball very dynamic she scores the ball for us when we want her to um, but she really runs the team um, with Oanya you know um, and then then Tierney like inside she's very good on the board very good defensively and then she's a fantastic shooter I don't think I've seen a better shooter coming into the country. Um, from the spot that she suits it from. So look, they they've been great. They they're, they're every night the two of them are in double digits and scoring. And uh, not only that, though, the the girls like being around them. They like you know what they bring to the party, and 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 it's great. It's very good for morale and everything else. Just one other name I wanted to mention because look, I know Anya. We've talked to Anya. We've talked to Claire Amelia um, in the weeks and, and and just throughout this past season, we've been following the address UCC Glenmire. But a player I know very well um, from another sport, from ladies football, Eric O'Shea. What is it about this individual, Mark? I mean, she's just a phenomenal athlete. But uh, in terms of basketball skills, what is it that she's brought to UCC Glenmire throughout this season? Well, to be honest, like Eric, I know it's kind of concentrating on football, but you know she was around the team there around Christmas and that and. Like she, she, you know, we we were we we just got her in because she's a very good basketball player. She's obviously a member of the club, and uh, she, you know, she's just a, she's just a, she's a fantastic football player, very good basketballer, and you know, she just it was just great to have her around the place. And she she brings a bit of professionalism, and she was just good for the group, you know. And again, you know, she's she's a young girl. She's busy with college in Limerick and that. It's a pity she's not around around Cockmore because we would see her a bit more for the basketball. But I think in, in time to come, you know, she's going to find it very hard. But I think the basketball stuff really helps her football and vice versa. And, um, you know, hopefully she'll have a great career in football and hopefully she, we'll still get to, get to see her play with Clamoyer every now and again when she's around the place, you know. Indeed. Um, th- could I put it to you that obviously you were the most consistent team in the league this year, the misquote that I women's Super League, and that's why you won it. But the depth of your squad, the players that the players that we haven't mentioned that have come off the bench and scored heavily for you or worked well for you in defence, has that been the deciding factor for you this season? 
Yeah, it has. And, you know, at times, just to be honest with you, um, I think what, what the backroom group in our club does for the players and for everybody, it, it goes unnoticed and it goes undocumented at times. And the improvement in a lot of our players, you know, over the last, um, you know, six to 12 months um, has been there to see. You know, Ronan O'Sullivan is a fantastic foil for me. He, he's a very good assistant coach, a very good coach in his own right. Um, but he brings an awful lot to the table. You know, he, he I, I give him a lot of leeway when he, when we need him to. He comes in with some ideas. You know, he's got some great, great um, ideas and he does a great job for us. And Kenny Clark also does a brilliant job for us as, a, as our strength and conditioning um, guy. You know, he, again, he's very innovative with the girls. They enjoy um, the stuff he does with them. You know, they, they, they have a bit of fun before training and during training and he keeps them very sharp. And, and and they're very important people because, um, you know, we're, we're a team just like the team on the court. And like the improvement in the likes of Mia Furlong, you know, over over the season, who's been brilliant for us, you know. Uh, Amy Dooley, you know, who's who's had a fantastic season again. Um, you know, Louise and Annalise were struggling with injuries, but you know, with all of this, they got through them and they've they've come really good for us at the end of the season. And Abby Furlong as well, you know, she she joined the squad there at Christmas with Erica and uh, you know, she's been fantastic. You know, she's only seventeen years of age. She's got into a lot of games. She's brilliant in training. Uh, really works hard and, and brings brings a good energy to the whole thing. So, like the improvement to those players over the last number over the last number of months is one of the main reasons why we're where we are today. Very well said. Just finally, Mark, the season is not over, but this weekend is a very special one for the address UCC Glanmore because you have a very important event coming up that you want to promote. Yeah, we do. Um, like first of all, I suppose we—it's very unusual. That, like I'd never prepare, prepare and plan sort of a celebration until the whole thing is over. It's very unusual for us to have the league over before the last game, and particularly when it's a home game, which is great. So at least the pressure is off a little bit. So what we've done this week is we're going to really make it a club celebration day, you know, and we're going to try and invite all the kids and all the, a lot of our ex-players who are now retired. We're going to try and bring them back, you know, and just get them to enjoy the day. Uh, and then, obviously, our, our, a lot of our ex-committee members and, you know, just in general, our coaches and everybody in the club, just get them all into the gym on Sunday and make it a big Lamoire day. But more importantly, like, there's, and there, you know, there, there, there's, there's some very, very sad stuff going on on the other side of the world. And, um, you know, like, what's happening in Ukraine is kind of, we're all, we're all going mad over that. And, and, like, we're going to try and do our small bit for that situation as well on Sunday. So what we want to do is we're just going to like not charge anybody coming into the game and we're going to have a couple of donation boxes around the gym and we're going to just, any any donations that come in um, from the game and, and the celebrations and the surroundings on Sunday, we, we, we would like to, to donate that to, to, the, to the Ukrainian appeal, you know. That's absolutely fantastic and a real classy gesture from a classy organisation, the Address UCC Glanmire. It's going to be a lovely day on Sunday and a very worthwhile cause. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview you and listen to you throughout the season here on the Big Red Bench. We're absolutely delighted for you and your players and your backroom team and your sponsors. The Address UCC Glanmire 2022 Miss Women's Super League Champions. Hopefully we get a chance to talk before the, uh, the end of the end of the season. But listen, thanks once again for your time. All right, John. You're very welcome, and thank you too for all the all the publicity and keeping women's basketball to the fore there all year. We much appreciate it. 
Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork Sports Partnerships Programme Manager Claire Hurley joined me on the Big Red Bench to talk about their Women in Sport Week, which is currently running from March 7th to 13th. A huge amount of events are taking place in numerous locations throughout Cork City and County, where women with no previous experience can get involved in a host of activities. Now, on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast, we are delighted to be joined by the Programmes Manager with Cork Sports Partnership, a very busy organisation, and that is Claire Hurley. Claire, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, it's fair to say that the Women in Sports Week 2022, uh, as part of the Women in Sports Week, Cork Sports Partnership teamed up with a number of national governing bodies, sports and local clubs to provide women of all ages and abilities with additional opportunities to take part in social, sport and physical activities outdoors. Um, I'm looking through uh, just your press release and just the calendar of events that are happening from the 6th of March to the 13th of March. And it is unbelievable. There's so many things mm-hmm. happening there. In a nutshell, what is Women in Sports Week and, and why are you running it? I suppose it's, it's, it's I suppose for, for the last number of years, we've um, been supported to Sport Ireland to run a number of women in sport initiatives. Um, and that would have come to a different, different funding streams. And I suppose over the last two years, they would have done a number of campaigns, one being the Women in Sport Week, which I think last year was the first year of it um, from the just the first, first, kind of first week in March. Um, and obviously you'll be aware of the Hers Outdoors Week, which took place as well last year, another kind of variation of supporting women in sport um, across the country. But I suppose really, in a sense, the week is just to celebrate and to highlight women not only participating in sport, but that are leading in sport, that are volunteering, their coaches, their officials, um, you name it. I suppose it's just a celebration of, of all things women in sport in a number of different capacities. And I suppose locally in Cork, through I suppose with the Sport of Sport Ireland and as you said, the clubs and the governing bodies were delighted to have a, a jam-packed schedule for, for people to get involved in. Yeah, and it is jam-packed. And one of the highlights of it um, and something that I think from last year was that the Her Outdoors Week that you ran uh, from uh, in, in, in August. This year, the Women in Outdoors programme um, is proving hugely popular as well. Can you just give us a nutshell? Because I know you've been walking yourself today. I know, I know yeah. what that is and what's involved uh, in, in that outdoors programme. Yeah, so I suppose, as I said, um, one of the other campaigns was the Horrors Outdoors Week last year. Um, and I suppose a number of us in, in the office got together um, and I suppose to look at supporting women in sport in a different capacity. And I suppose if the pandemic was anything to go by, a lot of people were taking part in other activities and exploring their outdoors locally and I suppose up the country. So um, I suppose we put a number of modules together. Um, and again, the focus being on, on women. Um, in the outdoors, the, the name is, is, is essentially what it is. Um, and they gave them a number of different courses and programs to do. Um, they would have done mountain skills. They would have done camp craft skills. They would have done um, accessibility in the outdoors and just learning all about accessible, I suppose, trails and activities for people as well. They would have done sports first aid. They would have taken part in and led walks as well. So I suppose it's just really to give women um, of all ages and abilities the confidence to be leading sport in the outdoors, mainly, I suppose, outdoor activities such as walking. Um, but I suppose it was a huge success for us last year as part of Hers Outdoors Week. And we do intend to roll it out again this year. Um, and I suppose as part of Women in Sport Week, which officially kicks off tomorrow, um, a number of our, our ladies um, that are currently involved in the programme were leading a walk up in Clara Loop in Mill Street this morning. Um, and I myself was um, doing my mountain skills today in, in the Galtys as well with some of the other group as well and, and Maureen O'Brien there. So I suppose it leads nicely into this week as well. Um, and I suppose some of our activities are outdoors. So yeah, extremely successful. And we do hope to announce details of a new programme for 2022 over the coming weeks as well. 
Excellent stuff. And just one of the things as well I've noticed from, uh, we, we'll give information to people know where they can find all this information, but a lot of your delivery methods for these workshops are not necessarily outdoors. They're online, they're practical, so people can go online and learn skills. If people aren't confident necessarily about going out and starting hill walking for the first time, you know, they can read up on it, they can they can educate themselves and you're providing all those materials both online and in practical um, sessions as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose like you mentioned it earlier, I suppose we don't we we, we link in on an awful lot of these NGBs, um, and you'll see from the calendar of Women in Sport Week this week, there's a number of NGBs as well. Um, of soccer, we have the O N A K I Karate as well, which is new to us that are doing taster sessions. But I suppose Mountaining Ireland, um, who do an awful lot of outdoor activity, particularly hill walking, um, we are linking up with them more. I suppose more so since the, the establishment of Women in the Outdoors. Um, and they've provided a number of different um, resources for us as well, offline practical sessions and online and some webinars as well that they did in terms of the pathways that women can take to become, I suppose, confident in the outdoors and lead um, outdoor sessions, particularly hill walking and getting into the mountains as well. So, yeah. And the timing of these uh, women outdoors, is just one of them, but in, 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 for, for the week that's in it, you've got karate, you've got soccer, volleyball, badminton, table tennis, hiking, cycling, boxing, uh, cricket, activator mm-hmm. training, taekwondo. You've also got a, web, a webinar with somebody we've had on, on the show here, and that's Sunita Puspure. Um, like yeah. all of these things that are coming up over the week, there's so much happening. There's, there's an opportunity, I guess, Claire, for people, for women who may not have thought about doing something like this or ever even giving it a moment's thought. Here's an avenue where you can find out about it, see if it's for you and an opportunity maybe to take it up. That's exactly it. And, and you mentioned them all there in terms of the, the karate is a new one. Boxing is going very well. Volleyball, soccer, taekwondo. And I suppose there are taster sessions, but the idea being that if there was enough interest, and that's how I suppose the social soccer started last year as well. If there's enough interest, we support the women and the group to keep going as well um, with our partners, be it the FEI or the IAB, depends on what it is. So try the session if you like it there possibly will be an avenue where you can continue if not we'll link you up with a local club who on a normal or i suppose on an everyday sense do have these sessions running it's just people don't know how to go about joining or where to ask the question um, and they, they may not just feel confident to do it so this week really is about providing opportunities for people to try different things um, and if they wanted to try if they wanted to i suppose to join a club or to do it um, after that, then that's there as well. But I suppose one of the highlights, of course, as you mentioned, is, is the webinar with Sunita um, Puspur. And I suppose Sunita not only is a, an extremely talented athlete and one of our own here in Cork, but um, she's also involved in leading one of our Women on the Move programmes at the moment out in Farron. And I suppose we're delighted that she's given us the time for the webinar um, and, and in terms of her career, her coaching career now at UCC, and also what she's doing in her local community in terms of keeping women active as well. So in her own right, she's a leader competitively professionally and and in a community sense as well so that will be one of our highlights as well for the week on wednesday evening stuff and just finally i suppose before we uh, tell you where people can get all this information from I, I imagine this week this women in sports week is more important than ever uh Claire, because we've come out of COVID, people are back on their feet again they're back outdoors again but tentatively maybe a lot of people aren't still aren't 100 happy or safe you know and that's understandable because um you know with, COVID, with the COVID virus but an opportunity to go outdoors, an opportunity to learn something new or to learn about something that you might like um, for your mental health, I suppose, for women. It's, it's just yeah. as important. It is. And I suppose like that, that's the thing we'd like to think we've provided an array of opportunities where we're not going to be able to provide 
every sport under the sun, but I suppose it really comes down to the NGBs and the partners and the volunteers that, that help us. But yes, a lot of some of the activities are outdoors. Um, I suppose we all know how important the outdoors were for us through COVID. And I suppose the, the key as well is that it's women of all ages and abilities. So whether you're returning to sport, whether you have never tried anything, whether you give up as a result of an injury, this might be the opportunity where you can re-engage with that sport or with that activity um, during the week as well. So I suppose it's, it's kind of open. It's an open book really for everyone of all ages and abilities to, to get involved. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's so much uh, to, 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 to go through. Where's the best place, I suppose, for people who might be listening to this um, during the week now that we're coming out? Uh, it, it's towards the end of the week when the podcast comes out, but where's the best place to go and find out about um, everything that's going on? So, yeah, I suppose a lot of our information is on our website, www.corksports.ie. Um, I suppose we're lucky. We have really good active social media channels. Yourself does a lot of um, resharing and retweeting for us as well. Just. So I suppose Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we, we do tend to share an awful lot of that through our, our social media as well. But the website would be the best place to go. Um, there's a full calendar there. All the booking links to all the different activities are there. So once you get onto that, it's really, you know, you're just going to be directed to whatever you takes your fancy and you sign up and uh You'll be contacted by one of the lads in the office, one of the team who just confirm your, your place. And basically all it is is just arrive at the session and off you go. So corksports.ie. Brilliant, brilliant. And again, look, once this week is over, uh, Women in Sport Week is is concluded. Um, there's still an awful lot of, uh, coming up in the for the rest of the year. I know that from uh, on Cork Sports Partnership as well. So to keep that website bookmarked i think and keep uh, keep looking out on the social media channels for everything that comes after this week um it's it's obviously the one of the busiest weeks of the year so we, we appreciate the time uh, and uh, we wish you well on women in sport with car sports partnership and we look forward to hearing what a success it's going to be claire hurdy thank you very very much for joining us here on the big red bench thanks sir thanks for the opportunity thank you the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. AFLW expert and coach Mike Curran is back with me on The Big Red Bench for another weekly review and analysis of how the Irish players fared in Round 9 of Women's Australian Roads Football. Now we're joined as ever every week here by uh, AFLW Ireland's Mike Curran to talk about the latest happenings down under in the AFLW where a lot of Irish players have featured prominently once again in Round 9. Mike, it's good to have you back. Hi, Jared. Good to be back. The rounds coming thick and fast, like you've said every week. I can't believe we've reached round nine, but we have, and there's an awful lot to get through. And we start in round nine with St. Kilda, who picked up a big win for for them over Geelong with Mayo's Rachel Kearns featuring for the Cats, Mike. Yeah, this was the first game to kick off round nine, and St. Kilda have won back-to-back matches for the first time in their history in what was, in fairness, a scrappy and low-scoring game. But the Saints won't care. They've got the win. Uh, the Cats went goalless, uh, which will be a concern. They kicked nine behinds, but it was in, into a swirling breeze. And Rachel Cairns, as you mentioned there, picked up two of those behinds. Uh, we mentioned Rachel last week for her loving the physical side of the game. She got into a small bit of trouble this weekend where she picked up a reprimand and a fine for, for a high contact on a player. Um, but she's, she's clear to play next weekend, so we'll see her one more game in round 10. Um, and of course, at the start of this match, uh, in terms of uh, the broader sports community, a minute silence was held before the game for Aussie cricket legend Shane Warren, who was a passionate Saints fan and actually played uh, Aussie rules for St Kilda at under-19 level. So Saints have their two wins, but I think they're playing Adelaide next week. So I'd say their winning streak is going to come to an end as uh, fairly quickly. 
Yeah, that's going to be an interesting final round 10-1 definitely for them, but a big win, as you said. Let's move on because the GWS Giants produced a gallant fight back in, that included a hat-trick from Cora Staunton plus a first-ever AFLW goal for Breed Stack, but it wasn't enough to get over Richmond Tigers, Mike. No, look, it had been lashing down rain in Sydney all week, horrendous conditions, but in this game, it was lashing down Richmond goals in the first quarter. They kicked five unanswered goals to open the game. That was to record their best-ever first-quarter score. And the Giants really gave themselves an, up, an uphill battle after that. But boy, did they come back. Momentum was in their favour. As you said, driven on by Breedstack getting her first ever goal. She snuck up into the forward line and scored a great goal. Cora scored a hat-trick in the final quarter. Every goal of quality in itself. And if there was another five minutes in the game, I think they'd have got over the line. But they just ran out of time. And just on the, of note, on the Richmond side, Katie Brennan, one of their star, star forwards, scored a goal for the 15th consecutive game in a row. So that's some achievement as well. Uh, but Cora Staunton, absolutely brilliant. She's our player of the year for round nine. Phenomenal performance week in, week out. Brilliant stuff from the two Irish players yet again. Now, Melbourne kicked the highest ever score in a massive win over a decimated Fremantle Dockers at Optus Stadium. Now, the Dockers lost some important players to health and safety protocols beforehand, Mike, and it's fair to say that the Demons, they took full advantage here. Definitely. Look, the story of the game was undoubtedly the record for the highest ever score in an AFLW match. Only last week, we were lauding the Brisbane Lions for setting a new record with a score of 98, and we actually referenced that they just fell short of the 100. Well, this weekend, the 100 mark was broken in style by the Demons with an actual Taylor Harris goal to take them over the 100 mark or the three-figure barrier. So absolutely phenomenal. Um, But of course, yes, there was a massive subtext uh, and a hugely chaotic couple of days for the Dockers they had actually lost Gabby O'Sullivan and Amy Franklin the day before the game to COVID health and safety protocols. An hour or two before the game, they lost Ebony and Cara Antonio and defender Emma O'Sullivan. So they were five players down. Their two emergency players had to play and they actually had to bring in a top-up player for the first time in AFLW this year. A club has utilised that. And that's a facility that's available for both the women's competition and the men's competition, which is starting shortly to try and um, cope with, with player absence due to health and safety protocols. But Michaela Western was at the beach down the road and she got a call to say, can you come and have a kick? So she literally got to the game 20 minutes before the ball up. So in effect, Fremantle started with three debutants and that brought their total count of debutants to 13 for the year, which incidentally is the most in the competition. So that all said, they were, they were up against it, but a massive statement from Melbourne. They got the smell of blood and they were relentless and ruthless. And the game they played, the game was played, of course, in Optus Stadium. So it was protected from the elements and it really showcased Melbourne's uh, game style and their kicking and mark game. The third quarter was the big one. They kicked seven goals, one in the third quarter. That's the highest ever score in a quarter in any AFLW game ever. So look at a confidence kicker for Fremantle who are at home to the Suns next week. They have a final spot guaranteed. Um, so they'll be there, but they'll have to rebuild on that. Obviously, a lot of players to come back in, but you got to think Melbourne looking like serious challengers now for the competition. And of course, we had Sinead Goldrick playing um, her usual brilliant game, as always. And we saw some quality deliveries and kicks from her and marks and everything. Highlights galore. Yeah, I suppose, Mike, before we move on, Melbourne really, when you look at it right now, are the probably the biggest challengers to Adelaide Crows if not if they haven't already surpassed them. Well, definitely after last weekend, like like even with the Dockers being under strength, it was just the quality of the performance and the all-round performance from start to finish in a stadium. So some most of the final games will be played in stadiums, hopefully. So this 
part of the season is really going to suit Melbourne and they're just getting better week on week. So yeah, if they get to meet um, in the finals or at the grand final, that will absolutely be a belt of a game and they look like one of the most serious challengers to put it up to Adelaide for definite. Okay, lots to look forward to there. So the favourites looking in good shape. News of another big loss for the West Coast Eagles as the Western Bulldogs kept their chances of a six-spot finish alive, Mike. Yeah, look, the Bulldogs are still chasing that last position and they dished out a 60-point thumping to a struggling West Coast Eagles. It's not going great for the Eagles. They've got an ongoing issue. We've mentioned in the last couple of weeks of slow starts and low-scoring openings. And they did not score until the third quarter in this game. Um, they conceded a record score last, last round, a big loss again this week. And unfortunately for them for, and for Grace and Neve Kelly, it looks like they're destined for a bottom of the table finish in a wooden spoon. Uh, but the Bulldogs are driving on to try and get that last sixth position. And looking good as well. Um, let's move on. Brisbane Lions registered a convincing win over North Melbourne, but there was no Orla O'Dwyer for the Lions in this one, Mike, due to her ongoing shoulder issues. Yes, so thankfully we've learned that the shoulder issue isn't that serious or there's no major damage. So I think it was more of a case of managing the injury as we come into finals. So hopefully we'll see Orla back in round 10 and beyond that. But yeah, a very convincing win. While we mentioned it was a difficult week for Fremantle, it was equally a very difficult week for Brisbane. They've had severe flooding up in Queensland. Their game was moved from a home game in Queensland down to Melbourne. And even some of the players' houses and dwellings were affected by the floods. So the loss of home advantage definitely didn't seem to determine, deter them. We also had a scenario where two Lions players, um, Emily Bates and Ali Anderson, along with Ebony Marinov from the Crows, became the first ever players to reach the 50, 50 games milestone. So that was huge. So I think uh, Lions were, were playing on a wave of emotion and it definitely showed, uh, you know, they, they got a big score up against North. Um, both teams, of course, are now guaranteed finalists. They're both in the top six. They'll be happy with that. Next weekend, they'll be playing for position and for home advantages and stuff like that. Uh, Brisbane have Western Bulldogs coming up. And as we said earlier, hopefully we'll see Orla O'Dwyer back for that one. Indeed, let's hope Orla isn't out for too much longer. And finally, the pace setters from most, most of the season, the Adelaide Crows, hung on to beat Collingwood and remain top of the AFLW ladder heading into round 10. But there was plenty of Irish interest in this game with Sarah Rowe, Ashling Sheridan and Ailish Considine all featuring Mike. Yeah, Adelaide stayed top and they really just edged the two-point thriller. They opened up a lead at the start of the game. Collingwood came back very strong in fairness to them, but Adelaide held on in the end. So I suppose they've, they've showed that where they can put teams to the sword, they can also grind out a win when the when the pressure is on. Um, so they'll be happy to keep their unbeaten run. Um, but yeah, a big performance from Collingwood. Sarah Rowe was brilliant. Uh, she had 19 disposals again this week, you know, absolutely buzzing around the midfield there. And for Ashley Sheridan, I suppose a special day for her. Her dad, Jerry Sheridan, has flown over from Cavan and was there to watch the game. So she had one of her best showings of the year so far as well with 14 disposals. Um, she had uh, marks, four tackles, very impressive statistic as well. So one of her best games to date. And on the other side, we had Ailish Constant featuring in the, in the middle again, playing on the wing for Adelaide Crows. So strong Irish involvement in that one. Crows are guaranteed their, their top two finish, I'd say. Collingwood. Their spot is not guaranteed. They're fighting for that last six position. And in a way, it's in their own hands um, next weekend to secure that. Indeed it is. And let's just have a quick rundown on all those round nine results that you've so brilliantly analysed for us. There's St Kilda uh, beating Geelong Cats, as we said earlier, by 18 points to nine. Then Richmond 
uh, sorry, the Giants losing out to Richmond, uh, 46-38. Fremantle losing out to the Melbourne Demons by that record score, 107-19. The Western Bulldogs as well, proving far too strong for the West Coast Eagles, winning 68-6, or 68-8, apologies. And finally, Brisbane Lions beating North Melbourne, 50-14. The Adelaide Crows beating Collywood by two points, 30-28. And finally, Carlton uh, beating the Gold Coast Suns, 46-16. And following those results, we're into the final round, on, which is round 10. And that comes up this weekend on Friday. The Cats take on the Giants uh, in the in the Friday uh, kickoff there. On Saturday, with three games, Collingwood taking on Richmond, North Melbourne and West Coast Eagles, the Melbourne Demons and Carlton. And then on Sunday, St Kilda and the Adelaide Crows, Western Bulldogs facing Brisbane Lions and Fremantle taking on the Gold Coast Suns. And of those fixtures, as you've just pointed out previously, Mike, there's one or two there that are really key fixtures for getting into the final playoffs. Yeah, I think so. I think, look, it's Collingwood versus Richmond. Uh, if Collingwood win that, they guarantee themselves sixth position, they, but they've got to go out and do it. If they don't win it, Western Bulldogs have a chance, but they're up against Brisbane Lions, but anything can happen, as we've seen a lot across the last few weeks. So Bulldogs and Collingwood will be fighting it out for that last sixth position. The other five finalists are guaranteed Irish players all over the place, but they'll also be battling it out to try and get the higher places up in the table for example, third and fourth secure a home draw for the two quali- for the first two qualifying finals that come up the following week. So lost to play for in all the games this weekend. There certainly is. Before we finish, let's just have a quick check of the AFLW ladder. Uh, the Adelaide Crows are joint top with Melbourne out on 32 points each. In third place, the Brisbane Lions on 28. And then we have two clubs on 24 points, North Melbourne and Fremantle. And then in sixth place at the moment, it's Collingwood on 20 points heading into the final round. Uh, the Bulldogs are just outside that on 18. And then you've got Carlton on 16 and further down Gold Coast, Richmond, the Giants, the Cats, St Kilda and West Coast and as it has been every week we've had Mike on there is so much forward to to look forward to to round 10 one or two things to find out places and positions for the playoff to be decided Mike it's going to be a really exciting one for sure look at it's it's brilliant week on week and to think we are only getting to the business end of the season now so after next weekend in round 10 we'll have three weeks of finals so great excitement for another month or so anyway Indeed. And listen, as ever, AFLW Ireland's Mike Coran, thank you for your analysis and all your expert opinions again. And we look forward to talking to you next week on The Big Red Bench. A pleasure, Jared. Thanks so much. Miss the show? Grab The Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Munster Women's Rugby Committee Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on The Big Red Bench for another review of the past week's Munster Provincial Headlines, plus details of a huge event involving former Munster women rugby players. No, we're delighted once again this week to be joined by the Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson, uh, Wendy Keenan, who's had a very busy weekend uh, off the field uh, with a lot of ex-players. And we're going to start our conversation this week talking about that. Wendy, first of all, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Thanks, Dar. I'm, I'm great. A bit croaky after the weekend, but uh, I'm in great. And the reason you are croaky is not because you're on the sideline shouting on any particular team. It's because the successful uh, celebration of Munster women uh, past and present took place this past weekend. It proved a hugely uh, successful event. Uh, if the pictures and the images and the video clips and the social media that I've seen is anything to go by, can you fill us in please on what happened and how it went for you? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it was a wonderful celebration of, I suppose, the history of the women's game. And, and that's part, you know, it's really important that we do recognise that, that the women do have a, a part to play in, in, in the history of Munster rugby. So Munster first played their first Interpros in 1996. So there was representation from all the years since then at the event, um, which kicked off at one o'clock on Saturday. Um, Jackie Hurley hosted a, an amazing event, um, which included a few speeches and, and Q&A before 
before we moved to, I suppose, a more informal uh, section of the day with, with a lovely meal um, in the Thoman suite. But just to mention, I suppose, what it means to people. We had one girl in particular who played on that 1996 team, Fiona Ryan, and Fiona flew in from New York for the weekend, especially to be there. So um, the event was sponsored, and I want to thank the sponsors, Bank of Ireland, Diageo and Keynes. So everybody left with a beautiful monster pin. And um, there were 130 women in attendance. And, you know, uh, it'll probably become an annual event. Yeah, an annual event as you like. I can see why it would become an annual event because there was a lot of celebrating done afterwards as well, which is very, very important. But what a lovely thing to do, uh, Wendy. We know jokes aside, and I mean, obviously the social side of it was hugely important, but honouring a lot of women who played for Munster when it wasn't a fashionable thing to do and there wasn't an awful lot of the sponsorship and the, the media attention that there is now, it's great that, they, that you've acknowledged them and, and in such a positive way. Oh, absolutely. And I suppose, look, just to say that, you know, when you go to do these things, you think that there's match records and it's just about pulling out team sheets. And we'll, there we started from scratch. We had no information bar our friends. But once we reached out, it just had a ripple effect and people came on board and shared their information and shared their photographs. And um, and now we've got a database of all those women that have played for Munster. So it's it's fantastic to see it. Brilliant stuff and uh, well worth doing. And let's hope it becomes an annual event, he said, laughing. It might, take, it might take us the year to get over it, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the social media would suggest that. Um, very well done to everybody, and especially the sponsors too, as you mentioned. Big thanks to them for getting behind such a positive event. Now, let's move on to the AIL Cup and a roundup of what's been happening. Yeah, so UL Bowes will be flying the flag for Munster in the AIL Club. So they have defeated uh, Wicklow 39-0 on Saturday, so fantastic win for them. Um, unfortunately, Ballancolic and Kerry didn't progress to their finals, you know, in the plate and the shield, but they've done so well in getting that far, so um, so congratulations to them then. But just to go back to UL Bowes, I suppose they had tries from Claude O'Halloran, Rachel Allen, Michelle Ring, Aoife Kari, Elliot Tapau and Eilish Kahl. So a lot of young talent coming through that team as well as as well as the you know the experience that they have on board um already so they'll face real reunion in the AL cup final and we wish them the very best of luck indeed we do good to see the progression there as well um you also wanted to mention the division two cup water park and balancolic yeah a great match in, in water park at the weekend um water park 57 balancolic 24 so um a lot of tries been scored in, in this match but a dominant performance um from water park with the player of the match performance from jade shaman uh scoring three tries i suppose one of which was straight from a restart jade gathered the kick and showed her agility and her individual skill to score her third of the day and the other tries were uh, scored by uh, alicia flynn sarah carey miller Hannah Roach, Marie Peters and Denise Curran. Waterpark have had a few players rejoining the game and it's certainly strengthening their squad. So it's great to see girls coming out of maybe a sabbatical as opposed to retirement and coming back to the game. And not surprising considering the um, the increasing popularity of it, but it's great to hear that as well. Uh, we move to the Youth Cups at under 14, 16 and 18 level. Yeah, look, lots of results here and, and lots of matches being played. So I suppose I won't go through them all because You're of all okay. different years of the competition. But just to just to pick up a few, I suppose Ennis proved in the under 14 cup, Ennis proved too strong for Kilrush 
defeating them 36-10. The Dunmanway Bantry amalgamation took the spoils from Clonakilty 29-20. But I just want to highlight that it's Bamancolic have such strength in numbers at the under 14 level that they have two teams. They have the Clonakilty red team and they have their Clonakilty green team. So, um, I mean, that's just wonderful to see that they're able to field at that. And, and that bodes great for the future, you know, in terms of growing their numbers. So their green team lost out to, uh, to Dolphin, five trees, uh, tries to four. And, you know, the final score at the weekend in, in that category was the Brough Gary Owen amalgamation 33, um, taking, uh, defeating Mallow Mitchellstown, uh, who scored 14 points. Yeah. In the under-16s then, um, Ballincollig uh, came back um, from being behind. Um, they defeated Dolphin 2017 and they'd been behind 17-5 um, during the match. So they scored three tries and they now face Shannon next weekend in the semi-final. Shannon had overcome Clannacilty in their match. And the other semi-final next weekend in that category will see Ennis Toast Clarney. So in the under 18 cup, then we had one match featuring, and that was Shannon um, versus the Carrick Thurlis. And that match was played under lights um, last Friday with Carrick Thurlis coming out on top. Um, they're probably the team to watch at the moment in that cup competition, having grown really from strength to strength in, in the last few months. And just I suppose just to mention the under 18 plate, because we have Ballinac, Killaloo, who remember our league winners, defeated Ballincolic Mallow. They seem to be back to full strength after those opening two rounds. I just want to mention our under 18 development bowl, our, our new competition at each level this year. So we've the local team, we've Bantry Bay um, defeating Fomoy 33-0. Another um, result from that match was uh, Killarney 29, Nina Ormond uh, 39. So look, lots being played um, this weekend. So in the semi-finals next weekend of that under 18 cup, we're going to see Ennis versus Tralee and Clannacilty versus Carrick Thurlis. So lots of matches still coming up to be played there. Yes, there is. And just even across those three very important age grades, it's great to see. I think the plate competition has obviously afforded extra games for teams that might have finished up a bit earlier. So that's been a positive move as well. Talk to me about X7 and the X7 schools competition and the phenomenal interest levels in it, please, Wendy. Yeah, so X7's uh, competition, I suppose, was introduced a number of years ago and it's to increase participation of rugby within schools um, remit. So we reached out to the schools to see where we were this year in relation to the number of teams. We've had 50 teams, over 50 teams respond to look and play in our X7s competition, which we had hoped to run over one day, okay, at 14, 16s and 18s. But with the response that we have, it's not possible. So we're, next week, we're going to go ahead in Shannon, in Kuna, um, with our under-14s competition. And then the following week, we'll see the under-16s and at the under-18. And those teams that come out on top at the under-16 and under-18 level will go forward to an Irish competition at X7s. Um, this is a great idea, but I, I have you, are you taken aback just at the level of interest? I just, the growth of the game since COVID has just been, I described it on Saturday night as an explosion of girls rugby. And I suppose for the committee, it's just so promising to see it. And, you know, I, I know I say it week in, week out, but thank you to all those volunteers that are making this happen, not only just now in the schools, but also in the clubs. Um, it's just looking so good for girls rugby. It certainly is. And just finally, uh, a date for the diary coming up, a very, very important day on March 16th. Yeah, so this year was a very exciting year when we launched our, our Schools Cup and we saw last week where we had our first junior match. But date for the diary is the 16th of March in Musgrave Park. It's going to be 
Bandon versus Villiers at 12 o'clock. And that'll be followed straight, straight afterwards at 1.30 by Colosh Edalgus Joseph from uh, Abbey Field versus St. Anne's and Killaloo. So two really exciting matches coming up on the 16th of March in Musgrave Park. And we'd love to see some people there and some support. Fantastic. And also being at Musgrave Park as well is a big thing and an important thing as well for a lot of the players that will be involved in that. Absolutely. because And especially because the final is going to be played there. So it just gives them a taste of, of what's to come. But um, yeah, using our national state, our, our Munster stadiums is really important for us. Um, so that the girls get the opportunity to play both in Thoman Park and in Musgrave Park at any opportunity. Yes, indeed. Wendy Keenan, another week, an action-packed week off the pitch as well as on the pitch uh, for Munster Women's Rugby. Thank you as ever for that fantastic roundup and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks a million, Derek. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork LGFA Senior Manager Shane Ronane, Captain Maura Callan and goalkeeper Martina O'Brien along with Waterford Manager Pat Sullivan gave me their reaction to last weekend's Lidl LGFA National League Division 1 game at MTU. Uh, Cork captain Moral Callan, 114-14 point victory for Cork to round off their league campaign. Uh, Waterford really put it up to you today, this was a tough test. Yeah, 100%, like you could see they were really off it out there. It was toted all really nearly till the very end. I know we, there was always a couple of kicks in it really and geez, they nearly caught us at the end there. It really got very scrappy and we probably didn't finish as strong as we wanted to. But look, there was a lot of changes, a lot of people came in, got um, opportunities and you know, that's always hard for a team to adapt as well, you know, when you're making so many changes. But I think everyone will be happy with our performance there today. From your own point of view, back on, uh, back on the pitch, back in the action, must have felt good? Or did it? I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it was nice to be back. I think when you're playing and you're sitting on the bench, you always want to get on. But then I suppose you come on and you give that performance, and you want to maybe see the sideline again. <laughs> no, but it was good to be back, and I'm happy to be back in the setup. And training has been great over the last few weeks, so we'll drive it on now. Yeah, it's a bu- it's a busy couple of months, even though there's no games ahead of you. Next next game is Waterford in the Munster Championship. But it's eight weeks away, a hard eight weeks to put down, or just to get ready for the championship, put the league behind you. Yeah, definitely. Like, I suppose it's great to have the time to put together, you know, without, you know, I suppose the distractions of um, other matches. I know they can be good, but it's also good to just put the head down and really get the hard training in over the next eight weeks. Now, I know none of us will be delighted about doing it, but we know we need it. So it's good to get it done. Well, listen, congratulations on the win from everybody in the big red bench. Thanks. I'm here with the Cork goalkeeper, Martino O'Brien, following Cork's 114-14 point National League win over Waterford. Uh, here at MTU this afternoon. Martina, first of all, an important win for Cork. Uh, a lot of new players as well, a lot of players coming off the bench, a lot of chopping and changing, but you got the job done. Um, yeah, look, I suppose it's probably not the scramble ending we would have wanted, but um, look, we were out of the, like I suppose, out of the contention for a semi-final, so like the management need to see players, so they made a good few changes like these like these are players coming on and like they like we're we're all looking for championship places so like they have to bring them on in these games and and look it was just a thing again I suppose Waterford up their game and we maybe took our eye off the ball a little bit um, but the most important thing I suppose we came out with a win uh, we don't go into a relegation battle I suppose and look we've we've eight weeks I think or, or something like that to the next game so heads down and work really really hard um, do you know we'll, we'll probably have everybody together again there was you know um, college girls playing championships and stuff so they'll be back within the next week or two and we'll be able to get a good run at it I think um, you made a very important save right at the end there, came out and smothered a, what would have been a certain goal. They also hit the post. This Waterford team aren't a bad team. They're a very good and fluid team. They had chances, but you, I think uh, between yourself and the defence, you got the job done again today as the game went on. 
Oh, absolutely. And like, you don't underestimate a team like Waterford. You know, they've, they're, they're uh, like, you know, they're not a bad team. They're, they're brilliant. They're always there or thereabouts. Again, like they push us every year. Um, three points this time. Uh, last year was close as well. So, um, yeah. Look, I suppose like them, like us, they're trying to, to stamp their authority on on the senior football and and going into championship. So, it was a good battle for both teams, I think. And look, we're just we're happy we came out the other end of it. I think, and and we just put the heads down. Now. Well, all the best over the next eight weeks and all that hard training. <laughs> we'll talk to you again in the big red match. Thanks, sir. Uh, Cork manager Shane Renane. First of all, congratulations. One fourteen to fourteen point victory over Waterford in your final national league game. A lot of new players brought on today. A lot of changes. Um, it was scrappy, but you got the win in the end. Yeah, I suppose look, that was the most important thing today, Jar, um, to get the win to make sure we were had our Division One status secured. Um, we'd have been happy with a lot of what we did in the first half. I thought we got sloppy with five minutes to go. We started with second half well then again, but got very sloppy there with 20 minutes to go. Missed terrible chances that you just can't miss at this level. And left Waterford come back into the look. We had a lot of changes made, so that disrupts the, the flow of the game. And I suppose maybe that that contributed maybe there to the last 10 minutes. But it certainly doesn't excuse some of the stuff that we did, the chance we missed. You just can't miss them. And, you know, the girls are the girls have to realise that unless they get ruthless in front of the goal, um, you know, we're not gonna do do we're not gonna go where we want to go. And look at a lot of it very, very good. We played very well on their kick out of that. But we didn't capitalise on the chance to be created. So look, that's something we really have to work on. But look, job done, phase one over. Um we we we're we we are we are looking now forward to a most championship. We've eight weeks here already. Yeah, those eight weeks you spoke to us about it before, they're really important now because it's like you've done your league campaign, but now the hard work really starts building up to the championship and you get eight weeks to work with the players. Yeah, look, that's it, I think. Like, you know, look, we're going to train this week. I know they've had a couple on next weekend, so that's going to, I suppose, the college guards are going to be left. We leave them after that. Uh, we're actually giving them a, a bit of a break then over the, I suppose, St. Patrick's week, um, you know, let them recharge the batteries. And then we'll, we'll have probably six and a half weeks of, of very, very hard training, I suppose, to get ourselves ready for, for the month's championship. And um, look, we have a lot of work to do. They know that themselves and hopefully in the next six and a half, those six and a half weeks and next week as well we can start putting our stamp on the team because we certainly need to be better than what we are um, You know Pat Sullivan very well you've played our coach Kentum, as you told us last week on the big red bench this is a good Waterford team it's not a bad Waterford team at all they've got a lot of good young players um, they put it up to you today and, um, I suppose the question I wanted to ask is did you see things today from your team now that when they were tested and under a bit of pressure that you hadn't seen? Um, I suppose some of them are right, like you know, but I would still be disappointed about a lot of it there at the end. We like we'd we'd set ourselves target with about three counts and we like we we had a lot of bodies back and it's very, very frustrating um when you get bodies back and we're not playing a defensive game or anything like that, but girls are you know, do their jobs are tracking. I think it's 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 inexcusable really to be to be given away a freeze and players need to know that like and they didn't meet those targets today with regards to with regards to free free count and um, gave Watford opportunities that we shouldn't have given them them like you know but I think a lot of that stemmed from not taking our chances up front the game would be a lot more comfortable um, you know Watford probably would have had to come out a bit and play, play us a bit more if we got further ahead but look there are things we can work on I think anything anything I'm asking them to do they can, is within their control so look hopefully we can be better again the next time Thanks very much. We wish you all the best on Big Red Bench. Thanks very much, John. Right, Pat Sullivan, uh, disappointment for Waterford, a 114 to 14 point defeat. But how impressed and how proud are you of your team's efforts? Because one shot hit a post, Martino O'Brien had to make a late save. You were very, very much in this game and could have won it. Yeah, look, we're disappointed, of course. But look, overall, from work rate point of view and an attitude of the players, never say die. They made a decision at halftime inside in the dressing room they were not going to be beaten without giving everything out in the field. And they did that. And the credit to them that. Look, probably the goal at the start was the difference. We were always in the game after that and we chased and chased. And we were, of course, not as clinical as Cork were in front of the goal. And that was a big difference as well. But look, coming down the straight with the last maybe a minute to go, 
we could have got a draw out of it. We had that crossbar and we had the upright and with the cross. Yeah, we're, we are disappointed going home, but we have to take a lot of confidence into the performance today and looking forward now to next week. And look, it's a league final for us next week and making sure that we come out, if I'm not sure who it is, Westmead or, or Galway on the other side. And it's massive to stay in Division 1. Um, the momentum that you've gained from this game as well and playing such a tough opponent I mean that's going to stand to you I know you wanted to win the game it didn't work out that way but there's a lot of good raw material here in this Waterford team a lot of good players as well that you sprung from the bench yeah most definitely and they're a young squad as well like a lot of young girls coming in there today for their first time against experienced players here in, in, in the Cork side and in fairness to Cork they, they proved that today the experience got them over the line probably in the finish but look we are happy in in the performance we're very very disappointed in the results I think there was something in it for us we just didn't take it but we have to look forward to next week now and we have two nights at home and trying to work hard on this but the hardest thing we face next week as well is the, the college finals are on on, yeah. on Friday and Saturday it's going to take a lot of our players and probably won't see any of them can I, ask you about, yeah, can I just ask you about that because just the timing of something like that there's no uh, no unfortunately common sense seems to have gone into it and now you're, you're got, you could be hamstrung here yeah, most definitely. Like we, we probably know by Sunday morning what we have in, in players ways because who comes back from the college finals on, on, on the Saturday and who has picked up injuries and stuff. And look, that's why today we're very lucky in a way where the players that came off the bench played very, very well and they're going to be needed next week. And players that started today probably mightn't start next week because of depending where we are and there's injuries and, and, and strains, etc. From, from the college games. Well, listen, we wish you all the best in that uh, relegation final and hopefully you stay up. Super, thanks, mate. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM MTU Cork captain Ashling Ford from Kentork spoke to me ahead of our college's 2022 Yople HEC Minehen Cup final appearance against Letterkenny IT This Friday in DCU the final of the 2022 Yople Ladies Football HEC Minehen Cup takes place between MTU Cork and Letterkenny IT uh, We're delighted to be joined by the MTU Cork captain Ashling Ford from Kentork Ashling, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Um, it's a big day for MTU Cork on Friday, not least because it's the final of the Minehan Cup, um, one of seven Yaple Ladies Football HEC finals on over the weekend, all of which can be seen on TG Car on their YouTube channel. But from your point of view, Ashling, and for the MTU Cork panel, this is a fantastic run to the final. You beat DCU in the semi-final, one eleven to not five. How have preparations been going, and how excited is everybody about getting to the final? Obviously, it's a great achievement for everyone on the team and we're all excited between the college, the girls, the management. It's just an exciting time and we're trying to soak it all in and prep and get well prepared and sure what happens on Friday happens on Friday. So we're all just really looking forward to it for the next week. Yes, and it's good that you have the Minehan Cup final to look forward to, Ashling, because it's two years since the O'Connor Cup or any of the higher education uh competitions have taken place due to COVID so I would imagine not alone yourselves returning to college and returning to campus but the return of football is a very very important thing for the players too. Yeah it's great to be back because like that two years ago we were actually in the final of the Monaco Cup again but it got called off the day before because everything closed because of COVID so we missed out in a year of football and like I'm back in his fourth year and it's my final year of football in college and for a lot of the girls as well some of them are in third year and then we have the first and second years that have come on and it's only their first year playing so it's a whole new squad and it's a whole new team but in fairness we're really excited for it and we're all prepping well From a student's point of view Ashling, how important is it to be back doing the normal things that students do I know we've kind of forgotten that COVID has gone away now and the masks have been removed but from a, from a mental health point of view I'd imagine as well for footballers and for Camogie players too in the colleges to be fair 
this is hugely important. This is a hugely important part of college life. Definitely, definitely. It's so important just like that for the mental side of it, being able to go out on the pitch, meet people from different parts of Ireland and different parts of even the county that I wouldn't have known, getting to know them, getting to know their club. It's just really, really important. And like for the social aspect more than anything, getting to know new people and new girls and their experience of football and like what grade are they in football, what division are they in and where do they play. It's just really important, I think, anyway, um, to play football with the college. Indeed it is. You mentioned the rest of the country. Apart from the Cork players on the 35-player panel, Kerry, Waterford, Tipperary, Limerick, uh, Sligo, Mayo, Kildare, um, players involved and it's uh, like it's a big panel um, obviously there's a lot of hard work on it on the training ground but how, how important and how, how nice is it to play with players from outside the county and involve yourselves with those really nice because at the end of the day I could never we probably would have never met each other through football in any other way so to meet these people from all different parts of the country is amazing like and they also bring great skills and great um, determination and abilities to the team you mentioned your team, the management team for this year. Connor Buckley is the manager, Luke McCarthy's coach, and then you've got selectors Sean Dennehy, Christine Nolan, Nicole Hickey. Uh, your physiotherapist is uh, Janice Dupuy, and your captain, of course, yeah. is yourself. But one name springs out from that, apart from the management team, and that's the GA development officer, who is none other than Keith Rickon, the current Cork senior manager. How have you been in? Has has Keith dropped in and out and helped you out? Has he been uh, present, and what kind of role has he played along with your management team this year? Yeah, Keith's been a great help now. Like, if you ever have a problem, just go into Keith and he'll help you or he'll calm you down or whatever. He's just a great help for the team and he's a great asset. And he's really about equality as well and inclusion in sport in MTU Cork between boys and girls. And it's really good to know that, that when you do walk onto the pitch, that it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what your background is. We're all equal on this pitch at the end of the day. And he's a great... um, he's a great person to have for the, for the club and to help us out. Yeah, and I can actually hear his voice as you say that. That's exactly the kind of thing he would say. So his influence is obviously working. And actually, oh, geez, you're the second person that's after <laughs> saying that to me so in the past two days. Well, there you are. It's clearly working. From MTU Cork's point of view, let's focus on the game now because Letterkenny IT must yeah. be any team that reaches a cup final at any HEC level is obviously well prepared and is, is a, are very good footballers. But the fact that you overcame DCU in the semi final and the final being held in DCU, 11 points to 1 5, that sounded um, like a really tough game, even though the scoreboard would suggest otherwise. It was tough. DCU were obviously a very strong side, and of course, they want to be into the finals with it being held in their own home ground. So, but at the end of the day, we had to look at it from our point of view that we wanted to be there and it was it kind of came down to who wanted it more. And there was a few clatters all right on the pitch, but <laughs> it's very, no one got badly hurt. But um, And luckily we came out the other side and won, which was great. And we had the home advantage, which really helped. And we had the support of everyone around us. So thank God now we're getting there next Friday. Indeed. And listen, uh, this Friday, as you mentioned, um, uh, in, the, in, in the final on March 11th, the 2022 yeah. Yople uh, Ladies Football HEC Minehen Cup Final at DCU, Munster Technology University, Cork versus Letterkenny IT. Everybody here in the Big Red Bench wishes you, the management team, um, and all the players the very best of luck, Ashling, and hopefully this time next week we can be back on the bench again and talk to you about a great victory. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks. The Big Red Bench. 
Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Cork take on Kilkenny in this Saturday's crunch Littlewoods National Camogie League clash at Parky Cueve. I caught up with Cork senior manager Matthew Toomey to get his thoughts about the game. And we'll also hear from intermediate manager Trevor Coleman as his side take on Derry also on Saturday afternoon. And Cork minor manager Jerry Wallace ahead of Sunday's Tesco All-Ireland minor quarterfinal between Cork and Waterford at Castle Road. But first, here's Kiri's Motor Group CEO, Brendan Kiri, who joined me to discuss his company's massive new three-year sponsorship deal with Cork Camogie. Now, it is a real thrill here on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast to be joined by the CEO of Kiri's Motor Group, Brendan Kiri, following the announcement of a three-year sponsorship deal with Kiri's Motor Group and Cork Camogie. Uh, Brendan, you're very, very welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yes, and I suppose I should start by saying a big thank you for everybody in Corkamogi circles. The news of a three-year sponsorship deal is fantastic, a great boost at a time when Komogi has never been more popular and something I would imagine you and Kerry's Motor Group are delighted to be part of. Yeah, uh, Jared, it's fair to say we're absolutely delighted to be involved in Cork, uh, Komogi. Um, you know, we've been following them for a number of years and, um, you know, I suppose we have branches in Cork, Mallow, Middleton, you know, to name a few places. So we wanted something that would cover the county and, um, you know, like they're obviously a very successful team. So to be able to partner with a team, with such a team has been brilliant. And uh, just meeting the players over the last few days, it's been I've been blown away by the commitment. Um, they show how hard they train. And, um, you know, I see Camogie as a growing sport, you know, and uh, hopefully they get more and more recognition as time goes on. Yes, and you're correct in the fact that Cork Camogie is a growing sport. And the fact, uh, Brendan, that you've gone in on a sponsorship deal with the senior, intermediate, minor and under-16 inter-county teams, as well as getting involved with the under-16 and under-14 club championships, is fantastic news because this is the grassroots that you're talking about. This is the future of Cork Camogie players coming up. And it's great to see you and Kiri's Motor Group getting invested in that as well. Yeah, like, um, Jared, one thing we've been doing internally, we're working a lot in company culture at the moment. And, um, you know, one of our things is we want to support, you know, the communities we're involved in. We're talking to a lot of the senior guys in the garages and a lot of their daughters, you know, are involved in Camogie, um, you know, and just, you know, when, when they're involved, they're saying how passionate they are. You know, this is something we, we really want to support. We got onto the, you know, the court board and uh, they've been absolutely brilliant to work with so far. And just we were delighted that the opportunity was available to get involved. And even more importantly, Brendan, women in sport, which is what this podcast is all about, you are following in the footsteps of Tipperary and Galway camogie setups in recent years who have also managed to find um, sponsorship and big sponsorship partners. And that's what this is for Kiri's. It's a sponsorship with Cork Camogie over a three-year period. Definitely. Like, you know, I know that I know the sponsorships you were, you were mentioning, like, you know, the Cork sponsorship is every bit as big as those I can, you know, confirm. And, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're delighted, you know, it, it is a big sponsorship. Women in sport is such an important thing. As a father, two daughters, I want them to be able, you know, to be able to do anything they, they put their minds to. Um, you know, I want sport to be covered, you know, in the way it should be, because the level of commitment that, you know, that the women put into it is incredible, you know, and, um, you know, just, you know, I think it's a growing area, so we're really delighted. We want to help grow Camogie in Cork. We're not just there to have a name and a jersey. We really want to help, the, you know, Cork um, board to grow it in the county. Yeah, and I hope you've, you and your and your company realise the boost that this has given at a time when Camogie is on the rise in Cork. I mean, even this weekend coming up, we're previewing a senior, an intermediate and a minor All-Ireland uh, quarterfinal all taking place this coming weekend. And the boost that uh, Kiri's Motor Group has given, I mean, I know you had an opportunity to meet Matthew Toomey and Davy Fitzgerald and some of the players. You can sense that everyone is delighted with this and it comes at an opportune time. 
yeah, like as a sponsor, you come in and like, you know, you, we've done many sponsorships over the years, but, you know, seeing that, you know, how passionate the girls were, how happy they were to have us on board. You know, Davey, obviously talking to Davey, he mentioned that he's coached senior teams and men's. And he was just saying he doesn't think, you know, he thinks that the women need to get more, you know, they need to get better opportunities. There, there should be bigger crowds of matches, I think, as well. Like, you know, something, you know, whatever way we to get the word out there, you know, we obviously have a lot of uh, social reach between our different channels. And, you know, we'll be pushing very hard to Mogi to get the words out there. It's a big match this weekend. I'll do the intermediate, like, you know, so, you know, wishing them every, you know, every bit of luck at the weekend. Hopefully they can beat Kilkenny in the seniors and uh, a league final will be a nice way to start it. It certainly would. And you mentioned the social media push. The hashtags Kiri's Driving Cork and Driving Cork in Cork are two tags I'll be using and a lot of others will be over the coming weeks and months as Cork's senior, intermediate, minor and under-16 teams embark on their All-Ireland Championship odysseys. Brendan Kiri from uh, Kiri's Motor Group, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And again, on behalf of everybody associated with Cork supporters, players alike, a big thank you for the three-year sponsorship deal. It's huge news for Cork and very welcome. Thanks very much, Ger, and I'd just like to wish the, the you know all the teams in Cork uh, the best uh, luck for the year ahead. We're really excited to be behind them, as I said, and uh, just the best luck. And thanks for having me on, Ger. Now we're joined on the big red bench by the Cork senior Camogie manager Matthew Toomey, who is busily preparing for uh, this weekend's clash, uh, glamour clash with Kilkenny in the uh, Littlewoods National League. Uh, Matthew, very welcome back to the big red bench. Thanks very much, Ger. Let's start with some really, really good news. The Kiri's Motor Group announcement of a three-year sponsorship deal with Cork Camogie was made recently. Um, it's fantastic news from your point of view as the senior manager. Like, I mean, how important is it when, when you consider what they're investing in the whole of Cork Camogie? Yeah, it's, it's it's a massive statement by um, the Cork Camogie board, and I suppose and all the work they've done to get this over the line. Um, obviously, Kiri's been a big Cork company. A family-run company as well. Um, it, it's very exciting. Like obviously, I had nothing to do with previous sponsors. Like, well, I, I, I suppose I had Marble Minimum put on this one. Um, they've been outstanding. Um, like, even we met them the other day. You know, um, you know, they're willing to help players and to be involved. Like, it's not, it's not just a, a kind of a thing that they're sponsored. They're, they're being very, very active, and it, it sounds very exciting. Um. I just hope they get the exposure that they deserve over this. And uh, I suppose that comes down to us on the field, what we do on the field. To get them, the better we do, the more exposure they'll get. So it's kind of um, it's a partnership, I suppose, more than a sponsorship. I look at it because they have been, everything coming out of them, the voice is fantastic. Like, you know, we spoke the Bill and Burn and, and also up there, Jackie and Karen, they're, they're all being very, very proactive with everything and, and very um, positive, which is fantastic. Yeah, indeed. And as you said, the fact that it's for three years as well, Matthew, that's that's a sign that the investment from senior right down to getting involved with the under sixteens and the under fourteen club championships, like this is something they're they're very serious about doing. Yeah, it's brilliant because I, I suppose like obviously we're the, the, the figurehead of the Crockmogi, but like I, I was only speaking to Paddy Murray during the week. I, I suppose this year we're we're up to, I think it was a four or five from the minors last year. Um they they have to come into our panel and like they don't look a bit out of place. They're pushing players and 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 you know even even in the physical stake. So it's great credit to to Jerry Wallace, Tony Daly, and they deserve all the support as well. And and they're on race teams because there, there seems to be a cycle there at the moment, and we have to keep that going. If we can't take our eye off the ball, but if we can't take it for granted, it's going to be there. So the work that these people are doing, they deserve support as well, just as much as what we do. Like obviously our expenses and all that kind of stuff. With um, trying to train the senior team is, is probably a bit more, but like they deserve everything as well. So it's it's, it's great that the the, the sponsorship is scaled up with everyone. 
Indeed it is. Uh, we look forward to, to speaking to Kiris and that association over the next couple of years. It's going to be a big boost for Cork Camogie, as you said. Now, on, to, on pitch matters, um, your National League campaign thus far, uh, you beat Clare, uh, you beat Limerick very, very handily the last day below in Parky Cueva, very good performance, as you said yourself immediately afterwards. But this coming weekend, um, the visit of Kilkenny, a Kilkenny team, even though they, they struggled a 1-8-10 point win over Clare in their previous match, this is... Uh, Matthew, with respect to your two previous opponents, this is now a real test from a, a potential contender for this year's All Ireland to see where both teams are. Even though it's very early in the year, you must be looking forward to it. Yeah, we're, we're very much so looking forward to it. Yeah, um, I suppose as you say, yeah, the two games, um, the care game is just kind of a, a struggle from the start with the, the weather and all that. Like, but um, you know, we got the win. We, we, we were kind of you know care coming, but we were still kind of comfortable enough. I was happy enough. The Limerick game, they were doing so many. But if we just we do need to see where we're at. Um with like can you come down, we know exactly what they'll bring. Um we've had a fairly tight kind of a few years with them. There's always been been tough, there's never anything between us and I don't expect anything less. Um hard enough for them this game like it's, it's the way it's, it's setting up is great because whoever wins this goes into a league final. So it says it's like there is a bit of an edge there, obviously going into us, but look we're, we're we're very confident in what we have and we'll just see what they bring to their side. And just in the overall scheme of things, um, are you happy with where the panel is, both with your management team? Are you where you wanted to be at this, like you're coming to the end of the league campaign, you want to be obviously in the business end of it, the more games you get, the better. But in terms of looking ahead to the championship and what's coming, are you, are you pleased enough with how the progress has gone with the entire panel? So far, like, you have to be, yeah. Um, I, I, we've started nine players, um, giving them the first league debuts um, there's a couple more that possibly could have got there, which is like just with the logistics, the things we couldn't at so far. But like they, they have all impressed. Um, if we we have a few like with obviously Linda Collins um, off the road of playing this year. That Hannah Looney's away, and we've a couple of like, you know if you want to is out long term, uh, or the Conan's out long term at the moment, and Pamela Matthews just back training as well. So you know like a, a, another year if we were short them kind of players. We might have buckled, but no, it's, it's, it's very, we're very positive so far with what we have and what we're developing. But like, as you say, time will tell now, you know, the start of this game against Kilkenny, we'll just see where, we're, where we really are. Hey, yeah, and just finally, based on that, like when you go into Kilkenny, I mean, you obviously would have a team and you've mentioned the players that aren't available to you at the moment, but the ones that are, um, if we could just talk about your forward line the last day, Amy O'Connor, you're talking about Sarsha McCartan and and, and Kleena and how well they played against Limerick I would imagine that you're happy with the way that they're working not just when they have the ball but when they're off the ball as well they were very impressive the last day Yeah that, well that's critical um, if someone wants to play that's what they have to do if, if, if they don't want to do that they won't get onto the team because if someone is willing to do this um, you know like that following the other day was, was very good we got 5-8 possibly we got more and you still have a couple of lads like the likes of Orla Cohn and Katrina Mackey to come into that like you know, like it it, 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 it fades well at the moment, but like you know, we're not getting carried away. But like as you said, there the work rate is is critical for us. Like you know that they know that themselves. Like if they don't work, they won't be there. Simple as that. Good stuff. Well, Matthew, uh, everybody on the bench is looking forward to this. What should be a cracking game with Kilkenny. Uh, we'll be covering it ourselves and getting all the reaction. And the very best of luck to you against Kilkenny next weekend. Thanks a million again, Joe. Thank you. Okay, on Sunday in Castle Road at 2 o'clock, the Tesco Minor Camogie All-Ireland quarterfinal takes place between Cork and Waterford. And I'm delighted now to be joined on the line by Jerry Wallace, uh, the Cork Minor Manager. How are you, Jerry? 
I'm great, sure. Good all together. Yeah, we're after wintering well as they uh, conditions have been tough over the last couple of weeks. They're like the evenings have been wet and the weather's unpredictable and like, you know, we're out in it and we're getting into work and uh, yeah, we're all looking forward to next Sunday and the All Ireland quarter final against Waterford. Yeah, no, it, it is indeed, but it, you've been a while waiting for it, Jerry. because um, I'm looking back just at your previous two games. Obviously, you did fantastically well to go up to Galway and beat them 8-6 in your opening group match, 8 points to 6, that is. And then you put in a really, really impressive performance at Castle Road to beat Dublin 2-15 to 5 points. But that was the 13th of February. Um, it's been quite a, a gap to the quarterfinal, something I know you brought up at the very early stages when we spoke to you pre-season. Um, has the long gap given you a chance to play some challenge matches and, and uh, are you glad that you had the gap now? Yeah, I suppose it was the first year we encountered uh, that situation during the minor Camogie Championship um, from a Cork perspective because in the other years we were always in the group of three which would have meant that we'd have had a game up to about a week ago so you'd have been preparing for that. But listen, we've we've I think we've managed it quite well. I know that after the game against Dublin, we gave the girls the week off, and I think they were very appreciative of that because we were still in the depths of the winter, so it got them a chance to recharge. And we do have a crossover with some of the girls with Cork football, so they had a week to work away there without there being a demand on being out, say, four nights of the week. They were only out two nights of the week. So I think that worked well for us. And then our, our build-up has started the week after that week off and we've had um, a couple of good challenge matches we played the Cork Intermediates last Sunday down in Ballinock and that was a great workout for for both ourselves and the Intermediate team but for ourselves in particular because like all the girls that we have involved with us got to play in that game again our training has been coming along nicely I suppose like everything now all the clubs are coming back in the men's games and the demands are coming on the venues for training so it's getting more and more difficult to source the venue. And like, uh, in fairness to the ladies down in Castle Road with the, the Camogie home ground, uh, they've been trying to protect protect that since the Dublin game uh, because the conditions were so wet, uh, the ground had to be minded. So like, we've been working away diligently. We've been training away on Tuesday nights, Friday nights, and on Sunday mornings. And we're kind of happy with where we are. And we're looking forward now to going into the game on Sunday. Like we've great expectations for Sunday and for the girls, um, we're hoping that they can hit the heights of the Dublin game again, that they can be, that they can be very competitive, and that they, they that they don't show any complacency. And like George is a huge reward. It's like it's it's the week later we're in. You're if you win, you're in the All Ireland semi final. So like I'm not jumping ahead of myself here, but there's a huge carrot out there dangling in front of the girls. Like this team. Like this team can take us back to an All Ireland semi final the following week if we can beat Waterford on Sunday afternoon in Captain Road. And as you well know, Jerry, that's a big if because this Waterford team were beaten by Kilkenny in their opening game by eight points, which you would expect, but they put up a decent performance by all accounts in Thomastown. But they also put up four thirteen in beating Clare in the WIT arena at the end of February. Um, I know you and I know your homework is done. Like This is not a foregone conclusion by any means, but two questions. What challenge are you expecting from Waterford and how important is it that you get to play them at home? Well, I suppose the, why we're playing them at home, Ger, is, is that is that we were a winner of the group stages. So there were three winners of the three groups in the minor championship. So you had Kikini, you had Tipperary and Cork, and they had a draw before they had the draw for the quarterfinals of the teams that came out in in the second places and we just drew the, the quarter-final game uh, got, uh, 
Tipperary and Kilkenny are in the All-Ireland semi-finals as group winners. So we got the, the, the team that had won the group came in then and got the home advantage. So listen, it's fantastic for us to have the home game and it's a huge weekend for Cork Bogey because we have our Cork senior team playing on Saturday down in Parky Creeves and we have our Cork intermediate team playing on Saturday down in Castle Road. And like it's a huge, huge, you, you, you're going to have nearly 100 Cork women playing Camogie on this weekend. So that's fantastic thing. Now, to answer your question about Waterford, this Waterford team have been together since they've been 14 and they've been putting a lot of effort into this team. And the day they played Kilkenny and Thomastown, I had a friend of mine that was at that match. And that game, Kilkenny only got away in the second half of that match from Waterford in dire conditions as well. Conditions similar to what we played above in Galway. But what was very noticeable the last day against Clare, that was a winner-take-all game. If Clare won that game, they had gone through. So one of those teams had to win, either Waterford or Clare. Waterford are fierce impressive. They're not afraid to go for goals. They're not afraid to take the chances when they come their way. And they're able to take the points if they're if they're allowed space, time and room. So like, we have to be very respectful of them. This is not a foregone conclusion. This is just a tough game for Cork on Sunday. And as I said, George, there's a great reward for it. If we lose, we're out of the championship. The minors are finished in the All-Ireland Championship for 2022. Um, that's that's the reality of it. So there's no pressure on anyone. We must go up there, Cork. We must enjoy ourselves, but we must be very respectful of Watford and we must be very competitive against them on, on Sunday and do the best that we can. And I have no doubt that you will, Jerry. Just before I let you go, very briefly, yes. the the Kiri's Motor Group's three-year association and sponsorship deal for Cork Camogie, as somebody who's entrenched in Camogie for so long, how positive news is this and what a game-changer is it right down to under-14 level for Cork Camogie? Yes, I, I, haven't got, I haven't been able to speak to any of the officials in, in Cork Camogie at this moment in time or up to today, up to this evening in relation to it but I'm delighted for the people that are running the organisation in Cork I think it's it's fabulous that there's a brand coming on board for the three year period now with Cork and that, that they're they're local they're in the communities of Cork uh, and that they're willing to, to promote and help promote the game here in Cork look um, it's a very demanding thing sponsorship but and it's, it's 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 fabulous for Cork that they have now got stability again for three years like, I think this is the third sponsor I've seen since I joined the Cork Camogie group. Um, they've they've gone from the New Ireland to the Black Bee, and now we're, we're, we're with Kiri's. And we wish them the very best to look, and I hope that their association with Cork Camogie is fruitile, and I hope that Cork Camogie gets what they want from, from, from their sponsorship from Kiri's too. I think it's positive. I think it's positive for the game. I believe it's kicking. I, I, I think Jerry goes into the Low, into the underage as well and into the groups so it's fabulous all together like and um, look it's, it's badly needed because you know Jared times are difficult at the moment in everything I mean we have other things going on in the world at the moment that are creating kind of unstableness in everyone's lives and everything so you know I'm just talking about that war that's going on over there and coming out of COVID but look this is fantastic it's a very positive positive thing that's, that's happened for Karkabogi and the very best to look to both parties Cork Camogie and to Kiri's in their sponsorship of the teams. Well said. So, this Sunday, 2 o'clock, Castle Road, Tesco All-Ireland Minor Championship quarterfinal, Cork taking on Waterford. We wish you, Jerry Wallace, and your players all the best. Oh, yes, sure. Listen, we very much appreciate of your, your uh, chat here this evening again and to the support that we're getting in promoting the game of Camogie in Cork. And if I could just 
say that to all girls that are under 17 or under 16, like if they have nothing on and if their parents are able to bring them in there on Sunday, it's a good way to spend an afternoon in there watching your peers play. And who knows, there are players out there in the future that will play for Cork that could be in there on the sidelines as a supporter on Sunday watching the game. It's a good day out there and we're looking to give the Cork public a good old game on Sunday now and, and, and represent Cork very well on Sunday. So thanks very much again, Joe. Thank you very much. Now we're joined on the Big Red Bench by the Cork Intermediate Manager, Trevor Coleman, who has been busily preparing uh, with his management team and his players for this Saturday's uh, Littlewoods Ireland Camogie League Division Division 2 Group 1 clash at home to Derry at Castle Road. Trevor, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Thanks for being John. Thanks for having us on. Uh, good it's a pleasure, talk. as always. Yeah, good. it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Um, much like Jerry Wallace and the Cork Miners who were playing on Sunday, 19th of February was the last time you were out in competitive action where you had a fantastic result up in Kildare, 4-16 to 2-6, having gone down to Wexford in your opening game. You're at home this weekend against Derry. Um, how have preparations gone? Because it's been a while. And what have you been doing between now and uh, this Saturday's match? And look, to be fair, preparations haven't gone too bad. Again, look, venues have been an issue. I think they've been an issue with every team in the county. But look, we 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 played Tipperary the first weekend. We played Tipperary seniors. We uh, we went down. We played them in Tip, and we we had a good we had a good outing there. To be fair, they they played our second string team in the first half, and we played us our as we call it our second string team. And again, they were slightly better us in the first half. But in the second half, to be fair, we put out our first team. They put out our first team. And I think in the second half it was about one nine to ten points, so it, it was a good result. It was a very good workout, and then we we trained hard for the week. We were in Parky Key one of the nights on the four G, which the girls got a great kick out of. And to be fair, then to the cost minus, we were supposed to play Kerry, but because of the club uh, situation there, that they were still in the All Ireland, we they pulled out. So we played the cost minus on Sunday morning, and uh, again that was a very good exercise for us. We got to see a few goals that hadn't got much game time. So again, we saw them, which a few goals to be fair, put up their hand on Sunday morning, which is great for us going into the Derry game. We have a good we have a good pick now going into the Derry game, so it's going to be tough enough to pick a team, you know? It is going to be tough, and you've got a tough opponent, uh, Trevor, because this Derry team uh, only lost to Meath away above and done in Ashburn by three points in their first game. And then they beat Kildare uh, 2-8 to 6 points um, in their second outing which was uh, about a week after you would have last played um, they're always look it's like a cliche with Derry Camogie and Derry Hurling and Derry Football they're always tough the Northerners they're always tough you're, you're going to get a game from them how important is it that you've got home advantage for this one? I, I think it's massive I think even our, our journey up to Kildare it's, it's very hard to gauge and it's very hard to get it right and most Camogie teams to be fair probably can't afford to stay overnight in places to be fair we've given Derry at 3 o'clock uh, kick off time that's what they asked for so again look if again, if we were going up there they'd probably uh, oblige us with that as well but look, looking at their scores like they've scored 3-5 okay, against me they've scored 1-10 against Wexford and they've scored 2-8 against Kildare so they have been scoring goals to be fair as well and a good few points so it's going to be a right battle but look hopefully being at home Okay, being in Castle Road, the journey might affect them on the way down. But again, we we can't take that into consideration. We have to go out and we had our best, I think, to beat Derry. And to be fair to the goals, I think the goals are up for it. But again, look, we'll probably have a few changes ourselves from from the Kildare game. Yeah, we played well. We had a good win. But again, look, we're using the league for trying to give goals game time. We had seven changes in the Kildare game. I'd say going into Derry game, again, we'll probably have three or four, maybe five changes going into that game as well, you know? 
Um, that that's where the depth of your squad comes in, Trevor. In fairness, you picked a big squad this year, and you've been rotating them and using them as often as you possibly can. Does this know this is now the business end of the group stage? Because after Derry, um, you've got to go up to Meath in your final group game, which will determine probably where you go in terms of getting a quarter final place or not. Um, have you like you have a big squad, but if everyone's fit and available, do you have a fifteen in your mind that you would start with if they were uh, all available and fit? I, I think to be fair I thought last week we did we went out and played the cock miners as I said and again another few goals have put up their hands for a place on the team look I, I think the days of 15 players winning a game for you are gone like there's so much work now happens around the half-backs the midfields the half-forwards you're going to be rotating those players and changing those players and look maybe especially around midfield come the 40, 45th minute you might have to look at changing them the game has gone so quick and fitness levels have gone so tough on people we might need to change that up and same in the half forward I know expecting them to walk back and help out in the half back line so they are going to tie us so again I think at this stage it's coming to we can make 8 subs in the league which is great so hopefully we'd have to use 22-23 players again this weekend and, and, and still get the result which is giving goals game times but as you say Picking the first 15 at the moment, to be fair, they're making it too hard for us to, to try to even go down that road. And again, this weekend, look, we have two players back from injury, which is a huge, a huge bonus to us. Lauren Callan is back from a broken hand, and Caitlin Hickey is back from keyhole surgery underneath from last season. So again, they are putting their hand up for selection as well, you know. Good stuff. On Saturday at 3 o'clock at Castle Road, it's Cork versus Derry in the Littlewoods Ireland Camogie League Division 2. Trevor Coleman, to you and your team, we wish you all the best. But before I let you go, it's been a very positive uh, couple of days for Cork Camogie. The announcement of Kiri Motors Group, three-year association and sponsorship with Cork Camogie. Fantastic news for somebody like you who's so involved, like the other people I've been speaking to in Cork Camogie. A massive boost, a financial boost, but a, f- a fantastic partnership for the next three years. It, it, to be fair, John, it's absolutely huge. And to be fair to Kerry, they're a local family. They're, they're, they're all Cork, uh, all the places in Cork. Uh, it's a huge boost for Camogie. Again, it must be hard for the board at this stage to try and be getting big sponsors like that. But it's absolutely great to see a massive sponsorship like that coming on board to support uh, females athletes and support Cockamore. Look, it, I think, as someone said the other day when we, we were talking about it, it, it's probably a marriage made in heaven. So hopefully we can bring success on the field to advertise carries a bit more and hopefully it'll go on for a long, long time, you know. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to The Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to The Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow The Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.